Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. start with one. Can you lift up your hands and your voices right where you are? Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. I bless you. I worship you right now, Father. Hallelujah. Prepare the army. The Bible carries throughout its narrative a theme of war. You see it prevalent in the Old Testament as the people of God fight battle after battle for survival. You find the theme shifting into the New Testament, but on a different plane. Instead of country versus country, it's a shift spirit versus spirit. What's to be understood today is that this battle isn't against countries or selected groups of people. This battle is a spiritual war. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in these high places. It's spirit versus spirit. The spirit of the enemy versus the spirit of God. That being said, we can look back to the wars of the Old Testament in effort to learn about El Gabor, the mighty God, Deuteronomy 10 and 17. And the way that El Gabor constructed his armies, the kings he lifted up, the ways he would secure victories during the battles that faced his people. It's important that we stop here for a moment and understand that God doesn't intend to fight our battles by himself. He fights for us alongside of us, with us. He secures the victory on our behalf, but it never, never comes at the expense of us doing nothing. That's why the people of God ended up forming their own armies because they had a responsibility in the war themselves. If you want victory in the war, you're going to have to get up and do something. The king of Israel would always have an army. That army would consist of regular troops who were full-time army men. The king would also have with him at all times an elite group of warriors protecting him. In the case of King David, he had three personal guards. The most elite of them all. Following them are what the Bible calls mighty men 
or Gabor in the Hebrew. 2 Samuel chapter 23 tells us about these men, starting with those three elite from uh, the, the personal guards of David. And I'm going to look here through the message translation. Let's look at 2 Samuel 23. The first of these three men, Joseb Bashabeth, he was the chief of the three. He once put a spear to work against 800 and killed them all in one day. Amen. The next one, Eleazar, he was the next of the elite three. He was with David when the Philistines poked fun at them during Pas Demim. When the Philistines drew up for battle, Israel retreated. But Eleazar stood his ground and killed Philistines right and left until he was exhausted. But he never let go of the sword. A big win for God that day. The army then rejoiced Eleazar. But all there was to do was to clean up the bodies. That's number two. The third one was Shammah. He was the third of the three. The Philistines had mustered for battle, a place where there was full of lentils. Israel had fled before the Philistines, but Shammah, he took his stand at the center of the field, successfully defended it, and routed the Philistines. Another great victory for God. Still in the message translation, one day during harvest, the three parted from the thirty. And joined David at the cave of Adullam. A squad of Philistines had set up camp in the valley of Rephium. While David was holed up in the cave, the Philistines had their base camp in Bethlehem. David had a sudden craving and said, Would I ever like to drink of water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem? So the three penetrated the Philistine lines, drew water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem and brought it back to David, but David wouldn't drink it. He poured it out as an offering to God saying, there's no way, God, that I'll drink this. This isn't mere water. It's their lifeblood. They risked their very lives to bring it. So David refused to drink it. This is the sort of thing that these three men did. They were the elite of the mighty men. Right. There were 30 other mighty men. Abishai, brother of Joab, he was the head of the remaining 30. He got credit for killing 300 with his spear. Benaiah, he was a vigorous man who accomplished a great deal. He once killed two lions in Moab. Another time on a snowy day, he climbed down into a pit and killed a lion. Another time he killed an armed Egyptian with nothing but a walking stick. Then seized that dude's spear and pressed it into the Egyptian. So, these mighty men, this was a special group of men, a group of elite warriors, fearless warriors, warriors that were ready to fight, warriors that were ready to go to war, no matter what the cost was. Tonight, we're in need of mighty men. We're in need of mighty warriors. But understand with me, you don't just get in. You don't just get into this group. It's kind of going to depend on your resume. Each member of the special team had a resume. They proved to be willing to do whatever it had to be done. Do you qualify as a mighty man of God? Well, let's find out, shall we? 
If you've got a history of walking over giants that get in your way, then lift up your hand because you're qualified. If you have a history of not backing down when the enemy comes to you, lift up your hand because you're qualified. If you've got a history of walking out of the battle stronger, more focused, more purposeful than ever before, raise your hand because you're qualified. If you've got a history of not giving up, not running away, not being scared, lift up your hand because you're qualified. We need mighty men in this generation who know what it's like to walk through the fire and come out on the other side. Who know what it's like to be captured by the enemy, but you broke yourself free through the mercies of God. I wonder, where are the warriors who have fought the devils and lived to see another day? I wonder, where are the soldiers who are willing to do whatever is asked to see the sun rise again over your home? I wish that the, the boy in this room would make their presence known right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and your voices all across this room. Mighty wind, mighty men, mighty men, mighty men. Just check my resume. I've been through some things. Just check where I came from. Hallelujah. You may be seated. After the mighty men, the king would also have the ability to draft anyone at any time during war who was physically capable of fighting. What that tells me today is there are some wars that you need everybody fighting. It's got to be all hands on deck. It's not enough for the elite three. It's not enough for the mighty men. It's got to be everybody. There's a job that needs done, and the only one that can do it is you. We need everybody ready for war. Everybody ready for the battle. Can I tell NPC, we need everybody ready for the war we're in right now. Hallelujah. You may be seated. With every man being considered a part of the army, King David would be responsible for assembling his army together. So David divided the people into 12 groups of 24,000 men. The armies were made up of the 12 tribes of uh, Judah, each tribe uh, often specializing in a particular weapon. Now, there was certain etiquette when an army would declare war against another army. What would happen is a messenger would go to the border of the enemy's territory and shout, I wage war against you. After that verbal declaration, the messenger would shoot an arrow or throw a spear over the border with the purpose of giving a fair warning. We are coming for you. I believe Sister Teresa Brewer already sent that warning. I believe she already told the enemy, already threw the spear over the border. We're coming for you to prepare for war. The kings of Israel would often go to the priests or the prophets for God's advice in the war. Last week, Pastor Gil delivered a message to us. He gave us our marching orders. He 
repeated them again tonight. Number one, repent. Right. Yeah. This doesn't mean that you have this doesn't mean you have to say, God, I'm sorry because I failed. No, repenting is turning around and he says getting in alignment with God, right. getting focused with what is happening right yeah. now. Right. Get, your order. Yeah. Right. Get in order. Yeah. Yeah. Number one. Number two, be sober and serious. Number three, increase and intensify our prayer. Number four, fast one day a week. Number five, fight. Fight how? Fight with our faith, our mind, our words, our attitudes, in prayer, in worship. Keep your eye on Jehovah Nisi, our banner. Fight until the victory in the spirit is manifested in the physical. Those are our marching orders. You may be seated. All right, so now I want to stop. A couple of weeks ago, the Lord laid something on my heart, and I was preparing it, and, uh, and I didn't feel like I should, I didn't feel like releasing that. I didn't feel like it was something the Lord wanted to say. But I felt like tonight, the Lord wants to talk about it. So we've talked about these different aspects of the army right dividing them up and how you get together and 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 this uh, our marching orders and i want to talk tonight about the environment of the war just for a few minutes when the fight begins the two armies would often stand on separate sides of commonly an open plain in the case of david and goliath the army stood on two hills and the battleground was the valley beneath them when the trumpet sounds, both armies are to run towards each other and the fight will commence. Fight. Sometimes in effort to avoid bloodshed, the armies would send their best warrior, their champion to the field for a one-on-one -on -one duel. That was the case of David and Goliath. So typically it took place on this open plain. Okay? All right. So I want to talk about the environment or the landscape of war. I remember when I was little being at my grandmother's house and we had right down the road an entrance to uh, the Happy Hollow Trails. Oh man, it was awesome. Those trails were part of an 81 acre park, the Happy Hollow Park. I remember going down the trail and quickly you were surrounded not by streets or cars or people. You were surrounded by trees and nature and bugs, dirt and the yeah. occasional stream of water. Despite popular belief, I've never been much of a nature person. <laughs> so I would just ever really go as far as uh, to where I could still see the sun flooding through the entrance of the trail. Going into the forest, it always felt like you were going into the unknown places. You were uncovering a new species of bug, and you were this crazy exploring person like Dora, and, and you conquered territory. <laughs> and my favorite thing to do was to catch salamanders. My friend Michael and I, we would take our jars down to the trail, and we would toss over these heavy boulders, and we'd knock down deep-rooted trees with our brute force. And yeah. Yeah. I, I was a man of the woods. I'm just kidding. We'd kick some sticks and move some rocks. And, and you'd find these fast, slimy little salamanders, and we'd catch them, and we'd take them home. And it was so much fun. And when, when I went into the forest, I felt like I ventured into a new world. I, 
never knew what, what, I, what I would come across in the forest. Every day new discoveries. In most cases, in the word of God, that war happens. War happens on an open plain or valley. Clear sight. Not many obstructions. Not many things to get in your way. Just simply you, the enemy, and the ground that blood will be shed on. But there was a situation in the word of God that that wasn't necessarily the case. And I want to talk about that for a moment. This fight it was between David and his son Absalom, who rebelled against David and took over the throne. And David and a small army, they had crossed the Jordan River and arrived at Manum. Absalom and his army, they pursued David, and there was going to be a battle between the two armies. So David, he separates his army into three groups, and he gave each group a general. Group one, Joab. Group two, Abishai. Group three, Ittai, the Gittite. David was preparing him to go to war with them, but they refused and said, I need you to stay here. So David stayed by the gate, and the army went out. So from Manaim, they cross the river Jabbok, and they arrive at the battlefield. And here's where the forest matters. 2 Samuel 18 and 6. So the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim. Remember, most battles are on the plains, but this battle, this, this took place in the woods. My favorite thing about going down the Happy Hollow trails was that I, I would discover new things. Verse 7, where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David. And there was a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. Watch this. For the battle was there scattered over the face of the country, and the wood devoured more people than the sword devoured. The next few verses talk about how Absalom was riding his mule and he got stuck in what the Bible calls a great oak and it's a big giant tree and, and, and his head was in the tree and, and, and the mule ran off and Absalom is hanging there. In verse 14, then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and he thrust it in the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men that bear Joab's armor, he compassed about and he smote Absalom and slew him. David and his servants won this battle. David was able to go back and reclaim his throne. The Bible tells us that 20,000 soldiers died that day. And it suggested those 20,000 were the soldiers of Absalom. But the Bible doesn't tell us how many people David also lost due to the forest. They won and it was a great win, but the Bible doesn't tell us that the forest only claimed the lives of Absalom's men. How many lives in David's army died because of the woods? Not the sword. Why is that so important? Because your surroundings matter in war. Absalom lost because of his surroundings. Come on. Come on. David lost men because of his surroundings. Yeah. More people died that day because of their surroundings than due to the fight of the enemy. Yeah. There's danger in the forest. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Lives were taken in the woods. 
You see, the world that you and I live in, that's the forest. It's the stage in which this battle with the enemy is being fought upon. And in this forest, there are dangers you have to be aware of. Sometimes we focus on the enemy and we don't think much about our surroundings. We're looking for the big attacks, but we fail to see the incremental impact that the woods are having on our spiritual lives. The fight isn't just against the enemy, but it's how do I survive among the trees and in the danger of the woods? Absalom this day fought two enemies. He fought David's men, but he also fought the woods. David's men on this day, he overcame Absalom, but he also overcame the woods. What am I saying? I'm saying make sure you're surrounded by the right things so you have the ability to survive the war. You've got the ability to affect the environment around you. You're going to struggle fighting this war. With, when you have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Watch out for the dangers in the woods. You've got to watch out for the beasts because they creep up on you and you won't see them coming. You say, I'm going to get involved with this and I'm going to get involved with that group at school and I'm going to hang out with this people, this group of people. I'm going to go, go to these places. It's fine because I don't see the dangers. I don't see any danger, but that's the problem. You don't see it because it's hiding in the bush. It's hiding in the brush. You've got to trust your armor bearer, the one who's got your back. When they say, watch it, when they say, don't do it, when they say that's going to devour you, when they say it's going to take all your time, that's going to take all your passion, listen to your pastor. Listen to your student pastor. Listen to the ones who stand behind you and see what you cannot see. Don't leave yourself unprotected from the beasts in the woods. They will devour you. You have to watch out for them. You have to watch the plants and the berries. They look all right. They look like food. They look like they're not going to hurt you if you consume it. But they're poisonous. Watch out for the movies and watch out when you open yourself to the spirit world and watch out around the music you listen to. Get Drake off your phone. Get Taylor Swift off your phone. Get Travis Scott off your phone. Why? Because there's poison in the berries. It's not going to harm me. It's just music. It's not going to hurt me. It's just TV. It's just a movie. No, no, it's not. It's more than that. They look okay, but there's poison in the lyrics. There's poison in the spirit of the song. There's poison in the agenda of Hollywood. Watch out for the berries. Lift up your hands and your voices all across the room. Hallelujah. Watch out for the beast. Watch out for the berries. Watch out for the insects that bring disease and tend to affect your now, your future, and your lineage. Watch out for the things that start slow but eventually grow to overtake you. 
Watch out for the diseases. Watch out for the things that linger, the things that fester. Watch out for the bitterness and the attitudes. Watch out for the feelings and the insignificance. Watch out for the feelings of depression. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out when you're in the woods. They affect you now. They're going to affect you tomorrow. In many cases, they're going to affect your generations coming after you. There's danger in the woods. So, Timothy, what do I do? What do I do when the battle is in the woods? I live in this world. How am I supposed to overcome? Well, first of all, get your iPhone, get your Android phone, get a podcast app, and dial back to this past Tuesday and put it on repeat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You said they were talking about joy. No, they were talking about how they overcame. Get it. Get it. Watch it. Listen to it. Put it in your spirit. What else, Timothy? What else? Get yourself in the word of God. Get yourself involved in the youth group. Get yourself involved in the choir. Be here. Be faithful to church. Get invested in the things that are right. Do what what John is doing. Where are you, John? Do what John is doing and start a P7 club. John's starting a Bible club in his school. You want to know how to make it through the woods? Start a Bible club. Tell your coworkers about what God put on your heart in prayer this morning. When you get to church, get involved. What are you saying? I'm saying surround yourself with the right things. Surround yourself with the things that are going to help you make it out of the war in the woods. When I'm at church, I push myself in worship. What am I doing? I'm trying to get to a place in God that no matter when I'm fighting the enemy or the woods and he says you don't have anything real, I can take him back to the place where I was last night in the presence of God and I can say I'll never forget that moment. When people walk away from God, the one thing they'll never forget is the experience they had in the presence of God. So every chance I can have to get lost in his presence, that's what I'm going to do. That's where I'm going to be. Why? Because I'm going to try to make it out of the woods. So get invested. Push yourself in worship. Go places in God that you've never, uh, uh, that you can't reason yourself out of. Watch out. For the woods. After the importance of the environment. After the importance of your battleground. Here's what comes next in war. Prepare the army. We consider the banner. The victory and the aftermath of war. Standing on the battlefield on the front lines in the midst of war, there is a banner that is held by a soldier in the army. If in battle the momentum was swinging towards the enemy, the army in trouble would sound a trumpet. When the trumpet blasts, you look towards the banner and you run to it to regroup. If that banner is not flying, it's common that the army loses that battle. Thank the Lord that our banner tonight's Jehovah Nisi, right? How awesome is that? That banner's not going down. That banner's going to keep on flying. When you're in trouble, keep looking up. The banner's going to be waving. When the battle is over, 
there's typically an aftermath. The army that wins typically goes into the city of the army they defeated and they break the city walls and they take what they want. Right. Hostages, valuables, whatever they want. So to summarize what we've talked about tonight for our army, there's a war and it's spiritual. Yes, sir. God's not going to fight your battles without you. You've got to do something. This army is made up of three groups, mighty men, full-time warriors, and every citizen that's called upon. When it's time for war, we send a verbal warning, we are coming. We are given marching orders from our leader by God. We fight with faith, with our minds, our words, our attitudes, prayer, and worship until the victory in the spirit is manifested in the physical. When in battle, we stand on opposite sides of the enemy. We watch out for the woods. Right. We keep our eyes on the banner. Here's the best part. And when we win. Amen. 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 I just want to leave it right there. And when we win. I wish some warriors would jump up on their feet and say with me, when we win. When we win, we're going to go into the city. We're going to tear down every wall. And we're going to take back whatever we want. Stand with me all across this room. Musicians, make your way. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. I wish the warriors would make their way to the front right now. Hallelujah. Why don't you come giving up a battle cry? Why don't you come down with a war cry? Tonight we're preparing the army. We're preparing an army. Oh, that's it. That's it. Every hand lifted to the heavens. Every voice. Every eye closed. Every student, lift up your voice. Every student, hands lifted. Every mom, every dad, hands lifted. Grandmas, grandpas, hands lifted. We need everybody tonight. I don't know about you, but I'm not fighting this war to walk off the battlefield empty-handed. I'm not walking out of the woods without bringing my family members back with me.
Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.